And welcome to the latest episode of Data Unchained. I'm your host, Molly Presley. I want to talk a little bit about what this podcast is about before introducing today's guest. Data Unchained is all about how the paradigm for data access has changed. In today's decentralized world, getting data to remote workers, distributed applications, things like artificial intelligence engines is really a challenge. And with the introduction of the cloud, things got even more complicated while they were getting a lot more exciting as well. Data Unchained digs into the challenges as well as the solutions that make data an asset as a global resource. So first, I'd like to introduce today's guest. Ludo is a longtime contact and I think familiar to a lot of you in the industry. He's the CEO of TrackIt, a cloud integration partner with AWS. Ludo, thank you so much for joining today. Hey, everyone. Thank you for having me. And Ludo, before we get started and kind of dig into today's topics, would you talk a little bit about yourself personally? I know you have a long, deep software development background, and then also tell us a little bit about TrackIt. Sure. So I moved in the U.S. like 12, like 14 years ago, actually, from France. I can you heard it from my accent. And so as a software engineer for DDN, where I met you, Molly. And yes. so as a software engineer, like I was very deep, already interested in AWS. So it was very early time of AWS. A few years later, I decided to start my own company focusing on AWS and doing system integration on AWS. So how are things different in the types of software that you need to write for a company like DDN, who's super high performance parallel file systems and AWS? At the end of the day, software is still software. So just like the building blocks are totally different of what we used to have like 15 years ago than what we have today or even like, because AWS was already there 15 years ago. And one of the first QA system uh, for one web object storage was running on AWS at that time for QA purpose. But the building blocks available, they were very tiny on AWS. Now, like we have like a lot of more high level services who can solve a lot of complexity in your development. So I think at the end of the day, as a software engineer, it's still the same. Just you have way more tools than what you used to have like 15 years ago. So we're getting ready to pack up our bags and head off to reInvent when this episode releases. Um, when you and I were talking about getting ready for this podcast, one of the things I thought was a really important point is there's so much happening at AWS and at the other clouds as well. But you just think about what Amazon is able to produce and release every single year. Um, what What is your approach when you go to reInvent or when you're starting to try to understand all the capabilities Amazon is re releasing at an AWS show? Uh, it really depends. What is your goal? Because the first few times I went to reInvent, the first time I think it was 2014. And so it was like, what do I want to do? Uh, do I want to meet people? It's a great place to meet people. Like very high quality people are at reInvent. I think like the best of like the or ecosystem. Or do you want to, to learn new technology? Uh, because I think it's a great place also to learn. So it really depends what is your goal going there. And you should go there. Uh, it's a great, it's a great place, but like for engineers, 
like you have great session like from 101 type of session very basic where you can learn anything about EC2 or about or about this new AI ML service if you want or you can go very deep with 400 type of session uh in very like very like what is under the cover of a specific service or how to optimize like uh like a, a media pipeline for example or anything it's interesting that there's so many specialties and Amazon has definitely uh, invested in a lot of sessions to do continuing education, even fresh out of college and education. Um, but when you think about where skill sets come from to run services in the cloud or maybe run a hybrid cloud, where do you find that people are typically getting those? Is it something that's a fairly available skill set now? Is it difficult to find? Well, it's not easy to find because AWS or any cloud is so broad and like it depends wh wh where you are, what you want to build, how you want to build it. Because as we talked before, like AWS is really like Lego blocks and you can just, what type of engineering organization are you? So are you like Netflix, Instagram or Twitter type of organization where you can build everything you want from scratch and like you, you have like, you have the vision. You don't need any step by step guide. You know what you want. You know, you need like 1000 red blocks with like few plates and few wheels. So that it's where you go. And so you have that type of organization where they, they are very deep and that's the organization. After that, you have like people who need the step-by-step -step guide. And so like they are just follow the guideline. And so usually they call partner like track it to help them. And you have also some organization where they, they are more like they need like the Star Wars Falcon set already built. And it's what they expect. And it's the same with AWS. You can, and today, AWS is providing that type of services. So to answer your question, it really depends where you are in your cloud journey. Um, if you are more like the people getting like stuff already built because you don't want to spend cycle, you want to go fast to market, I think it's exactly the same way you used to approach IT before. And in the opposite way, if you really want to build from scratch because you have like a very specific challenge to, to do, like in that case, you really need to learn how, what software to use with AWS, how to build it, how to design it and how to run it. So, and it's a, it's a lot of knowledge to, to get, to get there. What is the role of IT in all of this? I, I think back to, you know, when I first started in this field and IT pretty much went out and assessed the technologies available. They set up their architecture, the building blocks you were able to use, provisioned off, you know, a bit of storage or, you know, the IP addresses that can access it. And it was kind of controlled, I would say, by IT. Do you still feel that that's the case? Or ha as people are going out to learn the different ways to deploy in the cloud, has it gotten a lot more broad on what IT's role is? Yes, it definitely changed with uh, with the cloud, with AWS, and not only AWS, but like I think like about some SaaS services. Like so, before you are going to to EMC or to HP to to get some servers, and it was all under the control of the IT management. But today, like even an intern in a software engineering organization can come building a proof of concept using like a, like a SaaS CDN, like Fastly. 
and using some AWS services. And one day, this service go to production. And now IT inherit of something they didn't expect because someone bought Hammer's place on the marketplace. And it's running. It's already in production. So I think like the IT management change a bit. And sometimes you need to, to put some guardrails, but like we see a lot where, and we see a lot of migration happening from some specific AWS services or specific third party services where like at one point you need to consolidate, but it's also a great way to, to get new technology. And I feel the software engineering team is getting way more power than what they used to have. And as you think about how you control this and really the role that track it would play. Um, as a cloud integrator, I think often people think of you as helping them to deploy technology, essentially take advantage of gain their data to the technology they want. But do you get involved in the organizational planning of who should be involved on the security side? Or do you, what, what is your role in this whole journey? Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, like, especially like for enterprise customer, because it's so easy to spin up a new AWS service where like, and maybe the organization doesn't want to support it. And yes, like AWS has this like great framework named well-architected framework. And we are like one of the partners uh, able to run this well-architected framework where we're going to help the organization in the process to decide what are the, from a security point of view, for example, or cost point of view, what are the what are the guardways they, they should put together, and also how they can improve the workflow and the best practice of the organization to make sure they follow the vision of the company and just not like one small piece of the organization just because they are they don't have the knowledge is making any mistake or misconfiguration unexpected and we are we are helping every day like p- companies to to make sure they have like a better workflow and to check the workloads and making sure they follow the AWS best practice and the IT organization best practice. So your team goes to a lot of these um, certification classes and becomes experts in different parts of the workflow. And that's part of what an organization can take advantage of is not having to certify all their people in all the areas of AWS. Um, that, that definitely makes sense. I think that when you think about the types of services that you at Trackit have really leaned in on, what do they do? Like, where, where are you really building workflows in the cloud currently that um, are providing a lot of value? AWS has been like crazy about the number of services they release. Like, really, my first exposition to AWS, like 2007, 2008, it was three services and like S3, EC2, and SQS. So it was really very basic building blocks. And when we started track it in 2014, I think at that time it was already 100 services. But these 100 services, they were like still very infrastructure related. That was like your basic building block, how to, to be like a compute, a compute type of compute storage network. And you are building your infrastructure, but you are not getting yet extra services on the top of it. But now, like, of course, all your databases are managed. Elasticsearch cluster are managed. And even your more like, uh, sophisticated services, like how to live stream or how to transcode, how to, or how to manage your fleet of satellites. 
is a service you can get out of one of the, I think it's now 250 services. And actually each service, like EC2, we, like the compute instance, I think it's like almost 300 type of instance they have. Same thing in 2007, it was like medium, large and extra large. But today it's like, uh, you can, you have a lot of different types. So for us, and AWS love to define it that way. We really have two superpowers, like media and entertainment, because we are based in Los Angeles and we have a strong background in media and entertainment. So media and entertainment can be like very vast. It go like from like ingest to delivery and also like VFX and AI, AI ML workflow with like computer vision. So and serverless. So that's are the two services and the two verticals we specialized. But of course, we also have like a strong knowledge about base in, uh, base services from AWS. So do you find that that's the way most companies that have a similar business model to you approach that they specialize in a specific workflow or a specific vertical? AWS wants us to specialize that way. And it makes sense because also it's easier to, to define each uh, system integrator. And sometimes they also love to put system integrator together on different challenges so yes I, I we see it more and more and it was already like the case like uh eight years ago when we started the company but i think now it's uh even more the case where they they love to to get us like specialized and also for us like it's I mean, everyone in the industry need to know or have a team. We have like a team of 10 DevOps dedicated to base infrastructure. And after we have like small, like smaller team for or bigger team for some, some specific services. But like you need to know, you need to know what is an EC2, what is a network, what are the networking components of AWS? Same thing for the security layers, but. Like not everyone can be like specialized in the SAP service and we are not, for example, of AWS, but we are very strong on the media pipeline, media supply chain and everything related to media, what everyone else is not. And same thing for the serverless side uh, on the Lambda and containers. So when you think about all these services, we haven't talked much about data and storage. I'd like to talk just a little bit about that. So... You know, I think back to the days where we met at DDN, where we had you know, massive storage density in these really high performance storage systems, and that data was not sitting in the cloud. Um, how, how important is it that customers can get the data out of, let's just use DDN as an example, attached to a supercomputer somewhere, and get that data up into the cloud? Is that happening a lot? Or do you find that there's kind of born in cloud data, and then there's data center data, and the two never shall meet? Till a few years ago, it was exactly what you said. That was like born in the cloud data and data center data, and they were not really mixing each other. Just with S3, what is very interesting service, people get used to get global data. Because if your data in S3 are in Los Angeles, are also available in Paris. And so you have easy way to replicate this data. And having more and more companies joining AWS and deploying workflow in the cloud, maybe in Google Cloud or Azure, people expected the same type of service to get like 
data not local anymore but to get global data and i think now it's almost like the expectation and when we talk for example in the in vfx studios with artists they don't they almost don't understand why their data are not global so it's definitely like a challenge we see and so yes there is definitely like solution to bring and to build and i think it's where like hammer space is like bringing like a, a building block to solve some of these challenges I think you're right that, especially if you're not immersed in the IT field, it's hard to understand with all the capabilities available in the cloud, why data couldn't possibly be a global resource. I think that's a really interesting point. And, you know, we all know who spend our days on this, that there's been technology challenges to making that happen. Um, S3 was an interesting innovation. And it's great in its ability to move data between regions. It's cost effective. You know, there's a lot of great things about it, but do you see challenges with it as well? Yes, definitely. I think my, I'm in love with S3. And for me, every application should be designed for S3. And I'm talking with like a, like a AWS hoodie here, but what I realize also S3 is not a standard protocol. Like S3 is only like, of course, there is solution. But you go to Google Cloud or Azure, you don't have S3 implementation. So you, you need to run MinIO. So S3 is great, but it's global. You can do a lot, but it's proprietary to AWS. Uh, like most of the software who were not born in the cloud, they don't use S3. They don't even know what is S3. So yes, there, is a, there are a lot of limitations to S3 only by the fact it's like, almost only AWS and it's not implemented everywhere and it's not it's very far to be supported by everything so so where what do you see the future of that looking like as there's been so much evolution in the cloud in you know the last 15 years where do you think things will go next when you think about really the objective being global data and access to all the innovation that's happening in these services that are increasingly rapidly released where do you th see things going if we don't like it, like being a software engineer, like I feel POSIX is like why we're still using POSIX. But yes, POSIX is still there. And I think like the future, we'll still need POSIX because like every day, like application and like, especially like software is still uh, using like POSIX standards. So, and, and refactoring everything is not possible, right? I mean, the, in the end, unfortunately, well, we're happy to help with it, but yes, it's not. <laughs> so, and, I see like also people get used to it every day. Like we use Dropbox, we use Google Drive and we get used to have this global data. So when you are in the enterprise world, you don't understand why you have at home with your Dropbox or you ever not on your phone. You struggle when you use Adobe Premiere or DaVinci Resolve where you cannot share your data globally. So it's definitely something the artists and the end user are going to expect more and more. And do you think that global data um, for these remote workflows or distributed workflows is viable? Will we be able to get to the point where people can live where they want, compute where they want, and use the data wherever it was generated? Is that is that a viable vision? Yes, and especially with the mobility today, and we we had very good success stories over like last like since COVID actually, where one company, they think they have all the artists in Los Angeles. And finally, they realize one guy is in Montana. And it was great, like they, because like the technology is progressing. 
is still very, like the, like the internet is like, it can be still be a bottleneck when you move data from point A to point B. But, uh, I see like a lot of new ways. And it's definitely some people, they want to tackle this issue and you still need to understand you, you have like a physical hardware and networking constraint you need to deal with. But on the software side, I see a lot, a lot more application like Hammerspace trying to fix it. And we have, we have been seeing like customers using this, this type of software layer to fix it and be able to work globally on the same data. So when you think about folks who are going off to reinvent and they're assessing architectures and strategies for next year, I think it's worth talking about how can you leverage a company like TrackIt? So cloud integrators came about really in the last 10 years or so, I'd say. And I think a lot of what people struggle with is what should their architecture look like? How do I get started? How do I get you know the C-suite to agree to a strategy shift? Do you have any pointers on how they can leverage a company like you? Definitely. Well, first, we, we, like, we are a software engineering team and we have a lot of software engineers. So we know how to talk to software engineers. And the same way on the IT side, so we can really help to 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 bridge the gap between the different departments, between executives, IT team, and software engineering team to make sure they understand each other because most of the time it's a challenge to understand like between the IT mindset and the software engineering mindset, what should be the workflow, how, how it should it work because they don't have the same uh, expectations but so that is a very good way to use us as a company, just to make sure to assess and to help everyone to, to work together. Also, we, we talk about migration. Like if you move a workflow and usually when you go to reinvent for the first time, it's what you have in mind. Say, oh yes, I have this uh, workflow running on-prem, how I should move it to AWS. And using like a, a partner like TriKit with uh, access to the migration acceleration tools from AWS, it's a great way to do it because we can help you to understand the better way to migrate your application to AWS or the cloud in general. And usually you don't want to do a lift and shift because it's def definitely a different, different paradigm between on-prem and AWS and how you should do it. So by default, for example, when you are going to go in the cloud, you are going to hear a lot of serverless. Yes, it's the best way to do serverless. Can you, can you do it? Maybe not, but at least you should try to look at it. And it's really where we can help with because you want totally to, for cost reasons mostly, just to do a lift and shift and say, oh yes, I have like 100 servers on-prem. I'm going to, to create 100 EC2 instance. You don't want to do that because it's a recipe for failure. Failure and expensive if you get all of that yes. running all at once. <laughs> yes. So while you're in Las Vegas, um, if folks are interested in chatting with you, where would, might they find you or how can they get in contact with you? Yes, I will. So also something to remember about reInvent. It's a huge, uh, it's a huge conference. So my, 
my point about it is like really to focus on very few locations. So I will be mostly at the Venetian and at the Anchor. So it will be like, and most of the session I will go to, it will be mostly at the Venetian. Uh, so try to focus on that. But yes, I will be, I will be at the Venetian. So you can find me, find me there. Also, I will be uh, at the Hammer Space uh, suite at the Anchor. So it's where the, the two places I will spend most of my time. Hey, Ludo, thank you for joining today. Um, I think it's interesting as we have this podcast and folks are constantly struggling with the move to the cloud, the move of data, how do they support their global resources? Often we talk in this podcast kind of about the aspirational business goals of all this and being able to delve into implementation, the reality of the complexity of all the choices available is, is something that our um, audience has been asking for. And I thought you'd be a perfect guest for this. So I appreciate you jumping on, sharing just a bit of the knowledge that you and your team have. And certainly for those who you are listening to this show, Ludo's pretty easy to find either at Trackit. Is it Trackit.com or what is your website? Trackit.io. Ludo at Trackit.io. I thought so. Or on LinkedIn. Um, and great, great company to help you as you're sorting through some of the challenges of your cloud journey. For this episode, I thank you for joining. And Ludo, thank you for being a guest. Thank you for having me and looking forward to see everyone in a few weeks at reInvent. Thanks for listening to Data Unchained, powered by Hammerspace. To learn more, visit hammerspace.com. If you have a guest you would like to hear on the show, email me at molly at hammerspace.com. Mm-hmm.